Hi, everybody. This is Pete Worrell from Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Ever notice that some private enterprises successfully transition through evolutions and revolutions in leadership, management, even ownership? Some end up with terrific new majority owners, the entrepreneur-owner managers moving gracefully into the next interesting and rewarding chapter of their lives, surrounded by friends, their positive legacy assured, and their independence powered by the fortune they've just realized, while others, well, others' outcomes can look more like a train wreck. Is it merely luck, or is it more than luck? At Bigelow, we think it's more than luck. We can learn from the experiences of our peers. So in this series of podcasts, I interview seasoned, successful entrepreneur owner managers who are high performers, maybe even peak performers in their niche domains. We look for patterns of connectedness across those domains and we publish these candid, one-on-one, unedited interviews with some of the most high-performing entrepreneurs from both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors to learn from their experiences. So. As a private business owner, let me ask you, what's your best way of learning? Do you have to make every mistake or failure on your own as if you were the first one to ever encounter that challenge? Or can you learn from the experiences of others? Because if you can, that is a superpower which exponentially multiplies your learning, your achievement, and your positive legacy. Here, we hear the real life stories of other entrepreneurs which helps us to look in the mirror and see a little of ourselves in there. Let's listen and learn. My Quarantine Learnings podcast guest today is Pete Hopkins. Pete is one of the principal owners and owner-managers of Planet Fitness Michigan, which they refer to as PF Michigan, although he, his primary residence is in New Hampshire. Pete is an accomplished entrepreneur uh, who has uh, been in various roles uh, in various industries, uh, including uh, being a steel broker trader in Russia, where he uh, learned the language to do that and was actually present during the time of the uh, fall of the Soviet Union. Pete and I spoke on July 2nd, 2020, uh, using the, the Squadcast platform. He gives us a lot of insights on how his obviously very consumer-oriented business, Planet Fitness Michigan, has been affected by the quarantine and things he's learned uh, through it. I hope you enjoy it. Let's see. Here we are, July 2nd, uh, 2020. Uh, Pete, are you in your office? I am in my office in Dover, New Hampshire. And I'm in my office in Portsmouth and um, want to chat with you just a little bit about our fascinating discussion about getting updated on um, uh, what what I call Planet Fitness Michigan. Do you refer to it as Planet Fitness Michigan? PF Michigan. PF Michigan. Okay. So, you know, um, six months ago at the end of 2019, I don't think any of us would have thought about the uh, business landscape being changed as much as it has, yet we've had to change our businesses, our families, ourselves so much in the past uh, you know, 120 days. Can you just give us a, an update on what's the status of, of your enterprise, PF Michigan, right now? And you know what have you done to accommodate the quarantine? And just, just give us a stake in the ground for kind of where you are. Well, we started uh, 
Peter, with with uh, 49 clubs operating until March 16th, when we had a, uh, a the closures issued by the governors of, of Michigan and Ohio. So we operate 49 clubs as of March 16th, and they shut down. And uh, the Michigan clubs remain shut down now, coming up on, on almost four months of closure. So what are we at? Week uh, 14 or so. Um, our clubs in, in Ohio, six clubs, so six of out of our now 50, we completed one club during our closure uh, that's ready to open. So we're at 50. Uh, six clubs are operating. And, and actually, for, for the last four weeks since they opened on May 26, they're are showing that customers want and our members want to get back in the gym. So, but we still remain, unfortunately, in a situation where 88% of our business is still revenue zero. So we had to take some steps uh, along the way, and we kept our people on in the back office, our managers, assistant managers, um, and and we really, really weighed this dilemma of if we become too lean, will we be nimble enough and will we have the right people in place to, uh, to get back up and spool up when we get the green light to open up? Uh, so we kept more people than a lot of my peers in the system. We felt that that was the right thing to do for our team. We worked hard at, at really finding the right people and, and having the right people in the right seats. And um, But yesterday we had to make the tough decision. We don't believe based on, on, on the, the words we're hearing from the governor of Michigan that uh, we may open in July and maybe not even in August. And so we've had to kind of now take additional steps furloughing more people uh, and going back into capital preservation mode and shutting everything down that we can preserving capital because we're prepping for what may be six months without revenue. Um, so give us a, just give me top of mind, top three things. What have you done to change the operation to conserve capital? Yeah, well, the, the three the, the, the three big kind of cash draws for a business are new clubs. We were we're, we're a developer, and in 12 years, we've built 44 of 50 clubs. We acquired six of them. So putting a stop to the construction and development is, is the most uh, drastic step we can take to conserve capital. Um, we're scaling back on, on, on labor costs. That's, that's our second biggest item. And we've actively been negotiating with our landlords on uh, rent deferrals. It's funny, <laughs> landlords seem to be the one kind of business segment that is eventually going to be made whole. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of abatement agreements where landlords are sharing in our pain, um, but we have been pretty successful in getting uh, landlords to accept deferrals into future periods. So we'll continue to work uh, likely a deferral for 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 for. July and August, and, and we'll see if we have to ask for more. But eventually, we have to make make the landlord whole at some point. Um, but 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 we're just in that. Those are the three big things for conserving cash. Got it. And you mentioned that a lot of this happened uh, on March sixteenth. Um, it's the same time, exact day, actually. That Bigelow, we changed what we were doing. But you have a much 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 larger, more complex operation, obviously. If you look back to March 16th compared to where we are now, how would you say, how quickly did you pivot? Um, we pivoted very quickly. Um, 
One of the things that that we as an ownership team and a leadership team put in place four and a half years ago, we started using this uh, operating system, if you will, for a business called the Entrepreneur's Operating System, EOF. Um, Gino Wickman is, is a guy who wrote a book called Traction. And we found our small business growing into a mid-sized business, into a you know business today of 850 people. And we needed some better structure to harness the energy of people around common goals. And that's what Traction really, I think, does. So we went from having normal operations. We started the year off, finished 2019 with another record-breaking year. Um, we entered into the, in, in the for the first three months of the year or two and a half months of the year, we were we were on a record setting pace again for uh, the number of new units we were going to open up, new stores, wow. as well as revenue and EBITDA. So we were off to a great start. We shifted immediately into um, use because of this EOS system, we were able to absolutely pivot very quickly because we have in place the structure the accountability structure, the, 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 the lines of, of, of reporting, and we quickly organized ourselves into new teams uh, and we set new rocks, our quarterly kind of goal setting process that we use. And they just had to be different. Since we were shut down, we, we had the biggest challenge was how are we going to keep 130 people busy? And uh, and so we did a lot of things. We had a lot of uh, we used to give away T-shirts. We had a lot of five X, six XL T-shirts that we were no longer giving away. And so there was a team of people who were making masks because there were a shortage of masks. Yeah. Um, we pulled together um, all of our PPE equipment and in, in our across our 49 clubs. Uh, we made we made a pretty substantial donation to six area hospitals in the metro Detroit area and in Grand Rapids because they were facing a shortage of PPE. And so we had, you know, rubber gloves and masks and things like that that we donated. And, and, and we also kind of set to keep in touch with our members and make sure that uh, the members knew that, that, uh, that we were there and that we were, we were ready to open our business. So still the big challenge is how do you keep a workforce that's, that's, uh, that's not, doing their regular jobs, how do you keep them busy while you're still paying them? And and so let's talk about communication about that for a second. So if you just off the top of your head thought about your senior leadership team, how many people would that be? Yes, it's three people. Okay. Three people. And, and so have you changed your, the three of you changed your communication style with each other? Well, we had more frequent in-person meetings. Everything now is Zoom meetings. So right. we're doing, um, during the first cup two months of the closure, uh, we we increased the cadence of our meetings. Uh, we increased the cadence of our meetings at multiple layers of the business. From what? Uh, what? Well, usually with everything was weekly. So our whole our whole usual operating system is built around accountability that's measured weekly. Um, and some of us might be in only one meeting, but many of us are in you know two or three meetings a week. So we doubled that cadence um, in kind of this crisis mode. And we wanted to make sure that we incorporated and included more people in the meetings because we felt that communicating with our teams was the most important thing we could do. We may not have answers, but at least at least talk to people and give them that information about what we're thinking. 
Some other uh, entrepreneur owner managers I've spoken to also uh, mentioned the communication style and frequency of communication. And I wonder, you know, when the bell rings and things go back to normal, I, I know that's not going to actually happen, but somehow when we get what we say is back to normal, do you think that some of these communication style changes that you've made will stick going forward? It's Peter, the great thing about the system we had in place um, is, is we had the, we had the, the structure in place to communicate and, and meet weekly. That's kind of the way we're designed. I think that in the spirit of, of always trying to aspire to do things better, we can always communicate better. And, and so, um, you know, we've, we've really worked hard at, um, at, 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 that's been a goal of ours is how do we communicate with our employees better? How do we also provide our employees with a back channel to communicate? So it's, it's two directional. Um, I think that's definitely a lesson. It's, it's been, it's been, um, a key to us kind of keeping, keeping a steady course during a period of a, a, a crisis period for us when, when we're at zero revenue. So, yeah, I, I, I think that we can, we've, we've learned that um, uh, it, it's just, we need to, we've reinforced that we, we can do better. Uh, what's awesome is, is we used to think that we all had to meet in person. So we had four quarterly meetings a year where we brought a hundred people together Oh, wow. And and that's from 50 different clubs, as well as back office, flying people in from New Hampshire to Michigan. I'm not sure that those four in-person meetings are necessary anymore. I think that will be a big change. And instead of people spending half the day, you know, driving to and from a in-person meeting and then meeting for four hours, we're, we're going to be able to use a virtual meeting. Uh, and, and that'll be a, a good takeaway. And it'll be more effective, I think. I know you've been uh, active as a leader in, uh, with your peers in some of the Planet Fitness Independent Franchisee associations or meetings or whatever. During this time, have you talked with your peers, other Planet Fitness franchise owners, and have you guys uh, collaborated at all? Or is there any learning going on or is there anything to learn? Yeah, there's, you know, it's, first of all, whenever there's an environment where there isn't a clear, you know, there aren't clear answers either. You know, you're waiting on governors to lift restrictions or you're not certain what your banks are going to do. We have, we have had frequent meetings uh, with my peers. Uh, first of all, we've been holding weekly town hall meetings uh, during the first couple, couple of months where we're sharing our knowledge, sharing best practices. Um, we're, encouraging people to help us shape the agenda so that that we're, we're tailoring it to their needs. So we've had a group of CFOs uh, with a CFO town hall. We've had HR personnel have an HR town hall. Um, we have also had, we've also had uh, operations teams meeting to kind of talk about um, the new playbook that we'll put in place when we open up and we have new requirements put on us um, by mandate, government mandate, as well as, you know, a reflection of what our members will want. But we it's it's absolutely something that that uh, a takeaway was not only has it been helpful for us to hold these forums, give people some forum for you know, answer their questions. And uh, so these are. These are Zoom calls with anywhere from 20 to 40 people on them. Uh, and we've had a couple of WebExes with a hundred plus people. 
Yes, great, great. So um, as you think about, Pete, the past several months, and you've probably been mostly in New Hampshire uh, and communicating via digital means, um, you've had probably a chance to stare at the ceiling or stare at the lake. As the quarantine surfaced in you, um, you know, certain uh, goals or desires that makes you realize that, gee, there's some things I want to do with my business or with my life that I hadn't previously thought about? Well, the, the, there is an advantage of, uh, I, I've been busier during this quarantine than, than I have ever been. And largely because I'm balancing the roles I have as, as PF Mission Group CFO as well as uh, being an officer in the independent association uh, representing my, my peers, my fellow franchisees. So I've been busier, but I've also uh, I've really put a focus on, on, on my exercise. I've, I've put a focus on my sleep. And that's been two things that have helped me kind of keep a clear mind. And so I've had more clear focus days where I can, not necessarily full days, but opportunities to think. And, and through this crisis, um, it, I, I, for me, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm narrowing in on, on what it is I want to do in my next chapter. Um, I'm running and part of a business that now has 850 people. I've kind of decided and figured out I really don't like being in, in, in having such a big company as an investor as a stockholder in the business, I certainly like it. It's a good, solid business. So I'm not interested in, in kind of separating from the business itself, but, but it's made me think about, you know, is this, is, is this what I want to do for the next five years? And, and we're in crisis mode, so I can't make any declarations that, uh, that I'm leaving because I got to make sure that, that we get ourselves back to where we were pre COVID uh, or even better really take advantage of, of the, a change that we expect in the competitive landscape. Uh, but it's given me pause. I have more clarity today uh, on, on what it is I want to do when I grow up, Peter. I love that. I mean, wow. If you've been using your uh, free days to uh, change your self-care routine, whether it's uh, increasing the frequency or the intensity of workouts or whether it's uh, monitoring your sleep and, you know, uh, like our friend Matthew Walker says, just to be able to know that you programmed eight hours. We know we don't always get it, but you programmed that time. That, that's uh, that's fantastic. I, I can imagine coming out of this time that you would have some really significant breakthroughs in kind of what you want to do in your next chapter. That's very cool. Uh, was the quarantine a good idea? Well, we... we it it first started with the idea of you know this is this is a question of about the capacity of our hospitals to care for people right and um, I think I think with the exception of maybe a few hot spots we really never tested the capacity issue so uh, I'm not a doctor um, but in my heart uh, I'm a libertarian and I mean there's there's this has come at a massive cost. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked when I think of how I've been able to almost manage nearly four months of zero revenue yeah. with almost no relief on the expense side, except for furloughing and things like there's not relief on rent. It's just deferral. Um, if we go another two months, you know, we'll make it. We have a plan in place. Um, it's pretty remarkable that a business can go with no revenue for six months um, and, and we'll make it. Uh, 
but that's devastating. So this quarantine and complete shutdown of the economy is coming at, at the at, at a cost of, 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 of people's peace of mind and, 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 and you know, there's a people cost to it. And I, and I, I you know, I, I would much rather let these, let, let my members decide whether they want to use my service, let my employees decide if they want to work in an environment. And, and to the extent that we feel, we know we can create a safe environment. So it's just gone on too long. And I, I regret that, I'm not sure that we would be closed for as long as we are if this weren't an election year. But I think uh, I think uh, you're right that business owners like you and me actually are ahead, seeing that you know people talk about the cost of the economy versus the cost of health as if it's a trade-off and as if they poo-poo like we would trade off the economy for health. But really, I think one of the things that's missing is what you just identified, which is actually. When you say economy, you really have to personalize it. It matters to that working mom whose kids are home from school and she can't go to work or that person who's working for you who is relying on that paycheck because they're making it you know, check to check. I don't know. But there, there's a human cost that I suspect that the general population has not woken up to yet. But my prediction is that they will wake up to it in August and September. Yeah, we'll see. All, all I know is, is every week that it continues. And, and there's in my world, there's five States that haven't allowed gyms to open back up New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, North Carolina, and Michigan. And it's it is frustrating. It's frustrating, but there's a human cost to it. Forget about the, the, the monetary costs and challenges of being a business owner or being a member of a, the leadership team trying to implement a plan that doesn't, involve kind of drastic measures with your team. I mean, we worked hard to build a good team. We've, we, we have a good team culture. Having a cohesive team is one of the most important things of any healthy company needs. And this is destructive to that team cohesion. Uh, you know, no matter how thoughtful we may be, these are people in their lives. This is not, it, these are not easy decisions we have to make. As you and your partners think about the future and you think about your customers being away for several months, when they return, do you think that there will be some behavioral changes that will stick in them? And I, I'm not suggesting anything here. I just, I don't know whether some of them are doing some things online and they'll want to continue to do online, or are they going to want to rededicate themselves, you know, quote unquote, getting back in shape as quickly as they can in the first hundred days? Are there anything like that that you guys have thought about and that makes you possibly allocate your resources differently in the future than you have in the past? Well, our franchisor has really had made a big push into um, really delivering fitness content uh, through the Planet Fitness app. And, um, and they've been working with the franchisees, communicating, trying to understand, you know, what's the best plan? Is that just a, an additional benefit for being a member? Or is it is it a, is it is it a, an ex, extra service that that uh, can be added to a membership? Um, I'm a big believer in that kind of high value, low cost proposition. So to the extent that we can offer it as part of our staple offering at the same price, that's great. On the other hand, you know, if when we've shut shut our business down because our our brick and mortar stores weren't open we don't have a contractual basis to charge our members. So we, we froze our membership billing. 
So to some extent, I think there's an opportunity for us to, to figure out, you know, can we offer and expand the service that we offer our members to include fitness training online, but not just fitness training. It, it could be, it could be um, nutritional uh, advice. It could be meditation. Right. Um, health and wellness has many different areas. And can we provide our 15 million members, which is the, the membership count at Planet Fitness before, uh, before the COVID uh, struck us and we were shut down, that's a big. That's a big percentage. So I think there will be an. I think there will be a new, a new uh, development there. Um, we're a franchise business, so we're limited in what we can do independently without approval from the franchisor. Um, you know, we 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 now are are shutting down every other piece of equipment, uh, trying to accommodate social distancing. You know, will that stick? You know, when all these mandates are lifted, um, you're coming. We ask people to come in and out. Our, our, our team members are wearing masks. It's very unnatural for, for us. Um, but I, we put a lot of money into our individual stores. I, I think we're still herd animals. And people are not going to want to work out by themselves. They, they want to work out in an environment with others. And, and, and so I, I still think there's very much a brick and mortar element to our business. I don't think that changes. Yeah. Um, so in the past several months, just a couple of final questions here, Pete. Is there one talent that this quarantine's taught you that you wish you had? What would, is there one what? I missed the... Talent? Is there one talent that I wish I had? Um, that's a very good question, Peter. Um, there's a there's a lot of missing skill sets that I have um, <laughs> um, that we all have. Yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, the, the quarantine uh, taught me as a talent that um, I really try hard to listen and be empathetic to other people's point of view. And what I was missing was just how uh, fearful and anxious uh, people were around me. Uh, now they, as you probably know, I haven't um, listened to television for 25 years. So I realized that, oh, these people are getting uh, seven by 24 news. And they were talking about how at the bottom of the news feed, there was even a red bar talking about hospitalizations for the day or deaths for the day. And I just think if you know, if you don't guard the gates to your mind really carefully, that that stuff feeds your negativity bias. And but so the talent I wished that I had had was to realize and be empathetic that, oh, those people are getting that negativity bias and that's resulting in being fearful and anxious. I was kind to, I was kind of at first kissing it off as they're not being very uh, strong or courageous. Well, so that's, it's interesting one of the mistakes I made early was was sharing a bit too openly my concerns and 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 maybe fears. So this goes back to the first maybe week or two weeks of the pandemic. And I realized that there's a whole bunch of constituents around me that 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 they they don't expect that. They want to see kind of that 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 solid leader who has the answers and, and I so so 
I, so there was an emotional, there's a little bit of learning that I've had on, on the emotional intelligence front that I have to be very guarded and careful um, how I ask questions or, or how I'm sounding out things with, with, uh, with people in my surroundings. So I, I had to, and that was not just my personal family, that was, uh, that was uh, the audience at the time but it's certainly the people around me. So that's one thing. And the second thing is, is I tend to be, I tend to be very optimistic. And, and I think so a talent is, is really making sure that whenever you build any type of business case where you're evaluating something, um, you know, I, I have to spend more time on kind of the downside risks. And this pandemic wasn't on my radar screen. You know, any of them. shutting one club down, Yes, not all of them. Um, so I think that will teach us a little bit about I, I need to make sure that either somebody on my team or my my advisors that 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 I seek input from really always challenge me on the downside. So I, I, that's probably the talent I need to I need to make sure that that I that I always have if I don't have it, that I seek it out from my advisors Uh spend more time evaluating the downside risk. Well, that's a that's an awesome and insightful answer. I think people who are listening to this podcast are taking notes. So last question, is there any final piece of advice you'd give to another business owner about what you've learned during the virus and that you want to share with them? A piece of advice? Yeah, well, the, the one thing that's interesting for me that will – that, that I question and I believe it, it will last is is we've learned that that the traditional model of working in in, in your offices and having everybody present uh, and, and and because we that's the way we can hold everyone accountable and that's how we can be productive and efficient I think we're going to learn that 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 we can do it um, but we can also give our employees a little more flexibility. Measure them on the work product they get done, on their productivity, um, and don't measure them necessarily by the hours they've logged in. And and so I, I I'm I, it'll be interesting to see how it, people who are in the gym that's member facing that's a retail environment you, you got to be there to service you, you can't work a flex environment there um, you can't work from home uh, when when the gyms uh, the members are in the gym but for for people who are in support roles. Uh, to me, it'll be interesting, and and it'll be interesting to see how the whole uh, labor market evolves. Where you know employers that are prepared to show some greater degree of flexibility, uh, it's it's just it, they they may be the ones that this may be one of those lasting changes from from this uh, quarantine period. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, I think all of us who are business owners are asking that question of ourselves of how much distributed work continues to make sense, how much flexibility will there be to sticks going forward. There'll be some, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I, and I agree with your, your, your conclusion. Well, listen, I, I'm, uh, I am inspired by you and by the, how even you are considering you haven't had revenue for four months. So God bless you. I'm sure other uh, listeners are too, but thank you for say, taking uh, your time and being so generous with your comments, Pete. I'm a big, big Peter Worrell fan and a Bigelow fan. So thank you, Peter. Thank you, man. Have a great 4th of July.
I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm Bigelow to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is bigelowllc.com.